You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to another edition of Talk of Champions Recruiting. I am your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always is Mr. Ben Garrett. Monday, right at 11 a.m. local time. Ole Miss coming off of a big weekend on the recruiting trail. Two commitments. Joseph Cryer, the uh, three-star interior offensive lineman from Louisiana. And, of course, UTSA wide receiver, Zakari Franklin finally makes it official and joins uh, the Portal Kings commitment, uh, excuse me, recruiting class for, I guess, still technically 2023. I expect him to be in Oxford at some point this week for class and to uh, get in that weight room with his now teammates. Ben, good morning. Busy weekend for us. Busy weekend, but a productive weekend. Um, Justin Cryer. Said Justin already, already messed it up. Joseph Cryer, <laughs> big hoss. Justin Cryer played at baseball at Ole Miss. That's going to happen again. Shout but out, shout out Cryer, to Justin. Yeah, shout out to Justin. But Joseph Cryer committed. That's one we've been predicting for quite some time. We've been doing a lot of podcasts, uh, Ole Miss recruiting podcasts lately. And um, whenever we throw out, you know, potential questions to Ole Miss fans, being on the message board at the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and on Twitter. Hey, give us some questions for the pod. One of the very first ones always is, hey, who's the next commitment? And seemingly for two weeks, every single time we got that question, we, you and I would both say Joseph Cryer. So this one is not surprising, but it's a big get because, I mean, this is an offensive lineman that Ole Miss coveted and had a lot of uh, high-profile offers. And um, it's just nice, nice to have that one in the boat. And now you're up to double-digit commitments. You're at 10 now. Not to mention the fact that Ole Miss got Zachary Franklin finally to pull the trigger. And I think that tells us that his academic stuff – is now in order. I mean, nothing's official until it's official. He needs to get here. He needs to get into class, and we need to see him on the field in August camp. But for where things need to be right now, Zakari Franklin, the only holdup was for his commitment to Ole Miss was an academic hurdle, and that seems to be resolved. So a very productive weekend in Ole Miss recruiting and one that should be exciting for Ole Miss fans. I feel like with Zakari Franklin, Ole Miss has kind of checked every box it really needed to. Now you could argue that they needed more top end talent than they got, but I would argue that Man. they're pretty well set for next year. They, they've done a pretty good job now that we've seen, and I don't think they're done necessarily, but um, they've done the, the, the heavy lifting for this portal class. And right. after the heavy lifting, I feel like they've um, obviously been one of the biggest winners so far of all the transfer portal classes in the country. Ole Miss has to be, in my opinion, one of the top five. I don't get the the groveling over the top talent issue because I know on paper Chris Marshall was elite. But he didn't play a lot of football. He didn't play a lot of football in high school, and he hardly played at all at Texas A&M before he was dismissed from the team. Um, now, the talent and the potential is through the roof with him. I mean, just a ridiculous athletic specimen, but he's got to get it together. But, I mean, on forget on paper. You don't play games on paper. On the field, Zakari Franklin checks every single box and then some for Ole Miss. Um, he was an All-American. He was a two-time All-League selection uh, while he was at UTSA. Uh, set several records. And 
here's something that that stood out to me and I failed to mention it in my post that you can read at omspirit.com. He was the guy for UTSA. Now they had two other dudes who were, I believe, all conference USA, some form or fashion, you know, first, second, third team, whatever. Um, but he was their go-to guy. Every single Saturday, everyone knew who was getting the ball in crunch time, um, third and long. When they needed a big catch, Zachary Franklin was getting it, and he still managed to put up monster numbers. Um, last two seasons, listen to this, Ben. 174 catches, 2,164 yards, 27 touchdowns. That's good. Seems good. Last year, this was just last year, 93 receptions, 1,137 yards, and 15 touchdowns. 15 touchdown catches was tied for uh, second best nationally. Um, I mean, yeah, the dude has done it. He's been there, done that. He has shown that he is capable of putting together not only a productive campaign, but just, I mean, the consistency of a volume reception receiver. I mean, I think this is a monster get for Ole Miss. He seemingly will will just fall right in there with, with Trey Harris on the outside, and you now have two bona fide dudes that – have caught a lot of football, um, caught a lot of footballs, I should say, and a lot of touchdowns. And I, I just think that this is a really, really good get for Ole Miss. I, I, he, um, there was a stat that I retweeted earlier. Let me find it real quick. It was from a uh, stat cat, uh, Clark Brooks of on three. Um, he calls Zachary Franklin, the slant Prince. Um, so against uh, opponents last season, 22% of his targets and 26% of his yards were on slants. So by volume, only two SEC receivers exceeded his output on slant attempts, and they needed the whole schedule to do so. Um, he thinks he's going to eat in the offense, as he puts it. Um, with the RPOs that Ole Miss runs and just those deep over routes that they do a lot of. You saw that last year with Malik Heath. Jonathan Mingo, and then the year prior to that with uh, Braylon Sanders and Ontario Drummond. I, I, I just think this is a perfect receiver for the 2023 offense and the scheme that Lane Kiffin runs. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that Keon Coleman, and, and I would agree with the argument, that Keon Coleman was the bigger impact player only because of his next level potential. But th as far as sure. if you were making me pick between Chris Marshall and Zachary Franklin, I'd take Zachary Franklin all day. Um, I love the upside of Chris Marshall, what he can be, but we know what Zachary Franklin is. And I'm glad you brought up those stats about his slant usage. Um, last year for Ole Miss, a lot of the reason why they struggled so much offensively, especially late in the year when they started out 7-1 and one, then lost four of their last five or whatever it was, um, five of their last six. A big part of the reason why that offense was bogged down or struggled or, or just wasn't the same high-powered uh, unit we're used to seeing under Lane Kiffin is because they lost the middle of the field. Now, we've mentioned a lot that that had to do with uh, Michael Trigg just disappointing. First, he got hurt, and then, of course, the suspension, and they didn't have a tight end behind him um, that could really do his do the things that he can do in stretching the field as a big wide receiver at tight end. Um, this year, they do have that if they have Michael Trigg back, but also they've got Caden Priestcorn, who's one of the top 
10 returning tight ends in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. And he's going to eat. And then Michael Trigg is still there. And if he can be the Michael Trigg almost thought it was getting last year, holy cow, the, the middle of the field's opened up. But even more than that, like they didn't have wide receivers with the kind of traits that Sakari Franklin brings to them, especially in terms of like actual stripes on the resume, something he's actually done. So I think that slant usage is really important because now Ole Miss has found the middle of the field, addressed the middle of the field. Because we talk about like what Ole Miss needed, and we all agree they needed a wide receiver or two or three. Um, they got Trey Harris, who I think is going to be an absolute stud, is being slept on because he was injured all in spring. But now with Zachary Franklin, you not only added talent to the room, overall talent to the room, but you addressed one, in my opinion, the biggest issues for your offense last year, which was losing the middle of the field. It started with Caden Priestcorn. Michael Tree's got his head on straight so far. He had a good spring. Um, can he maintain that and be a weapon for Ole Miss along with Caden Priestcorn in the middle of the field next year when the season starts? And then you put a player in here who – can make those kind of plays. Like, I, I don't think since Elijah Moore was here that Ole Miss has had this kind of player that could attack the middle of the field. Now, Dontario Drummond did do those things, and he was really good at them, but he was a clunky fit because it just doesn't fit his skill set necessarily. He did it out of necessity, and Ole Miss fed him. But I think Zachary Franklin, it just perfectly suits what Ole Miss, one, needed and what the player does well. So it's a great marriage. Now, it's a consolation prize because you didn't get Keon Coleman, but if we're talking about allocated dollars and how Ole Miss spent its money, you could easily make the argument. While you could say that Keon is maybe the better next-level prospect, you could argue that in terms of the money they spent and how they were able to fill out the rest of the roster and not going above the price point uh, for Keon that they could have gone above because they just said it in their mind that they did better with their dollars. So I think it's smart money. I think it's a smart move. And it really addresses, in my opinion, the biggest offensive need for them, which is just attacking the middle of the field. It seemed like mm -hmm. everything was on the perimeter, on the edges, you know, in the passing game, especially toward the mm -hmm. end of the year. And they became very one note in that way. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Obviously, it's not going to be the case this year. They've added too much in the middle. Um, for it to be the case yeah. this year. So uh, just a, a tremendous, tremendous addition, in my opinion. And, yes, fully acknowledging that it's still a consolation prize because they want to key on first, but what a consolation prize. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call it that, you know, because I just think he's a really good player in his own right. He's productive. And, man, when you talk about adding production to the room, you really hit it out of the park with Zakari Franklin because he's got that. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned Trey Harris, who was a Bolitnikoff Award semifinalist uh, this past year, 65 receptions, 935 yards, and 10 touchdowns. And that right there, I, and I think Zachary Franklin was snubbed for not being added to the, uh, at least a semifinalist to the Bolitnikoff Award watch list because, I mean, he was a monster last year. And, look, I know you can say, well, it's Conference USA – uh, it's not the SEC. It's not a Power Five league, but he can only he can only play against who he competes against week in week out, and he dominated. And look, UTSA was a good ball club last year. They won eleven games, and again, I keep going back to everybody in in the stadium knew he was getting the football, and he made just contested after contested after contested catch in traffic. He was doubled, sometimes triple teamed, and. I, I I really like the point that you made about the middle of the field and how you now have two capable tight ends in Priest Corn and Trigg who can really test linebackers and safeties in the middle of the field. Well, you can just bring a Trey Harris or a Zachary Franklin right behind them, overload his own, layer, you know, Jackson Dart just layering the football. He got better as the year went on last year, and I think he'll be able to to feed off of the attention that Caden Priestcorn and Michael Trigg are seemingly going to get over the middle. 
And I think you're going to see a little bit of revert back to that 2020 offense when it was Kenny Aboa and Elijah Moore just making people's lives miserable over the middle of the field. And, oh, by the way, Ben, uh, they also have Quinshawn Judkins, who um, on three recently put out uh, SEC players who are likely to be in the Heisman conversation, and Quinshawn Judkins is on that list. So the offense has a a real opportunity to be one of the most dynamic and one of the most dangerous in the country next year. It does. And they were missing one big piece and that was that wide receiver. And we thought that, well, can, can they make it Zachary Franklin after they lost Keon Coleman? And there was some, some concern, especially nationally, no one really had a good hold on what he was going to do, but Ole Miss was a consistent constant um, for him. And they ultimately secure him. And it's just a big get for him. And I think offensively, uh, you're absolutely right. What what they're going for is more in line with what, with what we saw in 2020. Not to say it's going to be as prolific, but also remember Kenny Yeboah set the world on fire for like the first five, six weeks and then kind of yeah. trailed off and then he he, he uh, opted out to go pro, which is fine. But um, And Ole Miss went with Casey Kelly and Casey's now gone. He transferred out and he was productive in, in short spells when he was asked to uh, to step in. But the talent is not even remotely comparable, and not just Michael Trigg yeah. and Caden Priestcorn. I mean, get to number three, four, and five. I mean, Hudson Wolf um, is actually practicing with him now. Jo- uh, Javante Connor, they love. Uh, Kyron Heath, we didn't see much of him last year, but uh, you know he was a, a prospect that they love coming out of high school. Was pretty highly ranked too. He's a three star, high end three star. I mean, there's so much to like about uh, what they've done this off season, and uh, mm-hmm. we've put a lot of attention into. Okay, we knew they needed to overhaul. The defense. It's not like they needed like those mass changes offensively, but they definitely had some targeted areas where it's not just going to help, you know, Ole Miss just this offense in general. I mean, Jackson Dart has not had these kind of options before at Ole Miss. Um, Quinshawn Jenkins is going to have more opportunity opened up to him, and he set a single season record for Ole Miss rushing yards last year. There's just it helps everyone, and um, I, at the end of it now because we're in June, and yes, there's still probably room to add. Uh, I think without a doubt, Ole Miss is. Yeah. done exactly what it needed to do it's answered every call and um while it's been a bumpy ride at times and a little bit confusing at times they ultimately brought the plane down where they needed to you know what i mean like they ultimately mm-hmm. landed exactly where we hoped little, they would because little yeah. turbulence little turbulence, turbulence. You know, seatbelt seatbelt sign came on had yeah to... tray table uh jarred loose one time or two you know <laughs> but yeah th- they got where they needed to be and like i said um you, you could argue, well, they need more top-end talent here or there, but I don't know, man. I, I just don't think with what what was available to them in the portal, what they needed and the money that they had available, which was a lot, but still not, you know, Alabama levels, Georgia levels, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know how almost could have done much better. Keon Coleman's the obvious guy, but, yeah. man, I, when it's, Isaac it's honestly step in. And, yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of eerily similar to um, college baseball this year and a lot has been made about LSU and what they did in the portal with their offense. And they got Paul Skeens, who is just dominant. I mean, he has the ability to go 1-1 in the draft. He's that good, SEC pitcher of the year. But they went heavy on offense, and that was kind of the the, the dice roll there that Kiffin and the staff thought about and ultimately chose to go with, you know, if we're making the baseball to football correlation, you know, go, go for pitching, go for defense, because – I think Ole Miss could have gotten Keon Coleman, but they ultimately decided to allocate resources to defense. And that's right. That's the right point right there. Uh, They could have if they wanted to, but 
uh, Lane Kiffin, I was told this by a source. I mean, it's just it's as close to the source as you can get. That, yes, they could have gone above and gotten what they needed to or given the money out they needed to to get Keon Coleman. But, they, they like, Lane had a strict number in his head. This is what I value for him, uh, mm-hmm. what we're willing to pay, because this is what else we have. And I think Lane and Walker Jones, just that whole decision-making group, uh, have done a really good job now that we've seen the class, and it's not final. Again, they could still add a number of guys. I think they've got at least four to six spots left. Maybe they leave some spots open. I don't I don't know, but uh, the heavy lifting, I feel like, is over. And yeah. Zachary Franklin was the last domino to fall. And when, when you think about now how everything played out, Keon's number, Florida State, you know, they went above and beyond. They, they bested Ole Miss's offer, which was – originally expected to beat Florida State's when he came into town. He was expecting to commit, and it didn't happen. He ended up getting almost the exact same offer from Ole Miss, which, you know, when you're in le- when you're in negotiations for making more money, you're like, well, why would I do that if I could do this? And then Florida State goes back, and they offer him like 30, 40 grand more, and he goes. It happens. That's that's the new culture of college football. Uh, to then end up anyway with Sakari Franklin on top of Isaac Ukwu and Stefan Wynn, and just this Joshua Harris, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, uh, Monty Montgomery, on and on and on. Samari so Walton, who was an all league player, four year starter at Georgia Tech corner. Um, John Saunders, who I still think is one of the most underappreciated players in this transfer class. Man, he's going to start. I mean, I think he's going to start yeah. at one of those three safety spots. He's got real ball skills. You saw that when he intercepted Spencer Sanders in the Grove Bowl. I mean, and yeah, that's anecdotal because it's one game, but he was doing that all spring. Um, I mean, they got they on. got a they got a legit secondary now with Deshaun Gaddy, uh, Dejon Anthony. We we've talked about it on the show. A I, and lot I always of... keep forgetting about Dejon Anthony because that one happened so suddenly. And like Dejon Anthony started games for Liberty. Uh, Deshaun Gaddy started games for North Texas. I mean, these are starters from lower level programs that are coming over, and now yeah. you're putting them together to compete to see who's going to start. But the other ones are going to play too. They've given themselves depth of options, which I feel like we say every single time we do these podcasts. But Zakari Franklin was quite frankly uh, the mm-hmm. last bit. They, they needed that I mean, domino to fall. Because then you're kind yeah. of like an incomplete, you know, because we, we came in knowing they needed at least two wide receivers, like big ticket wide receivers. And right. then Chris Marshall gets dismissed. You lose Keon Coleman. I can understand why Ole Miss fans are maybe thinking, oh, shit, what's going on, you know? Uh, yeah. But now you end up with Zakari Franklin. And not to say that necessarily all is well, but I don't know, man, like, if I was grading this class on a, on a, you know, just a typical A to F scale, it's hard to give them anything less than an A minus because they, like, yeah. you, you could argue we, for more top end talent, but th- I think they just, I think they ended up doing really well. Yeah. We haven't mentioned, you know, they added Jaden Kennedy and Justin Hodges late to the secondary. A lot yeah. of length and a lot of experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I normally for, you know, I, having this conversation with guys yesterday, because I haven't, watched a ton of college baseball this year for you know several reasons but, me either <laughs> but yeah i mean i was talking to some some south carolina guys who were fired up yesterday you know gamecocks are in a super for the first time in uh almost five years and we were having that conversation you know what do you value more you know pitching or, or offense and in baseball i would typically go offense I think a good offense typically wins over good pitching, but in football. Well, typically, but then I watched Ole Miss baseball this year. <laughs> well, um, so I think it's different. It's, you know, and also different strokes. People have different viewpoints and strategies, but in football, I think, especially in the SEC and the SEC West, 
it's all well and good to average 38 points a game, but if your defense is allowing, you know, 37, 38 and a half, it doesn't really matter. And I think that they've addressed several needs and and several um, things that can set them up for success this season because you get Pete Golding, which can't cannot be stated enough the importance of that just for the defense itself and then for recruiting. We we've seen that. We'll get to it here in a moment. But just getting a elite defensive coordinator like that and bringing in you know the talent they've done on that they brought in on, on defense with Uklu and Steven Wynn and Aquilo stone. And we mentioned all the, the secondary guys. I mean, feels like forever ago when they got Monty Montgomery and, um, uh, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste. I mean, those are two linebackers that have played a ton of football. I, I think that this, this defense is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, gangbusters and be top, you know, 15 nationally in all the categories, but I think they're going to be much better than people expected. And I think it starts with Pete Golding and, and their, their whole mindset and how they approach things. But I, I do, I, I think they've gotten comparable to good talent to replace what they lost off the team a year ago. And with that offense that has a real shot, at being one of the best in the in the SEC, uh, look, the floor is I think very sturdy, and is 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 real hardwood here. Ben at eight and four, I think they have a a good shot at eight and four, barring an injury or some kind of wacky game on the road. But they're going to scare some people. Uh, the Alabama game intrigues me so much because they still have a quarterback situation they got to figure out. I know it's on the road, but it's early in the year, and Lane Kiffin's going to have some stuff schemed up for Nick Saban, and you know Pete Golding is going to know what that defense is bringing to the table. So, a lot of things there that can that can really tip the scales, you know, to neutral or in Ole Miss's favor with what they have returning on offense. Um, the Georgia game is the Georgia game. It's going to be in November. I expect the Bulldogs to be clicking on all cylinders at that point. Now they they've got a quarterback situation to figure out as well, but. I, that's much more of an ask than beating an Alabama team in early September. So um, I don't know, man. Historically, Ole Miss never beats Alabama, and I still have fond memories, yeah, or not so don't. fond memories, of Lane Kiffin uh, saying, get your popcorn ready, okay, and then that falling all apart. Real quick, because I played this game a couple weeks ago, and I had to use the Google machine. Name an offensive playmaker for Alabama. Name an offensive playmaker for Alabama. <laughs> I'm serious. It's weird. Oh God. Uh is I don't know. I I knew one that's, but that speaks more because to my, Ole Miss because has, has no other rosters. Well look, I mean, they always have dudes at receiver. I can't name a receiver on their roster. I know one guy, and that's because Ole Miss recruited him, and that's CJ Dupree, the tight end for Maryland. But I All mean right, do it, we do you have Alabama's uh, skill players in front of you? No. No, but let me. Yeah, typically you know them. That's kind of surprising. Like Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy, uh, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper. I get that, but I, I'm not convinced. That's just because I don't really pretend like I'm some yeah, expert on Alabama. It doesn't. Roster it doesn't here. mean that they're going to suck or they're not going <laughs> yeah, to be I mean... good. I'm just saying, like they normally have the flashy names that you're like, oh, that guy. 
Oh, him. Yeah. Oh, that guy. No. Like it it took me a minute. I mean, I had to literally look it up. Um so and again, is Tyler Buckner gonna be the answer at, at quarterback for them? I don't know. I mean, Jalen Milroy or or Ty Simpson could figure it out between now and in September. Oh, but, Ole Miss wanted Ty Simpson. Uh, everybody did. Yeah, I know. But, I'm just remembering names that I talked to. Yeah. But the fact that Nick Saban went out and got someone literally the Monday after the spring game is pretty telling. So, um, anyway, I digress. I, I think that are game you really talk yourself different. into? Are you really trying no, to talk yourself I'm, into this? I'm not. Like, I'm not there yet. But I'm saying it's it's not just a we're going to throw the the crimson helmet out there with the number on it and it's over. Like I I, I do yeah. think that that there's some intrigue to that game. But um, we talked a lot about receiver. Speaking of wide receiver, um, there was uh, some interesting. Uh, things that happened over the weekend um if you haven't seen it by now i entered a prediction for jj harrell to flip from tennessee to ole miss um i got a pretty strong source here um and stealing one from your book it's about as strong as it gets uh i think ole miss is trending big time right there um i put it on the on the recruiting thread uh but if you like to play that game of uh you know, social media, um, you know, bingo, um, all the boxes are being checked of what you look for when a flip is about to, or could happen. Um, JJ Harrell has removed all Tennessee stuff from his social media. Uh, he is also, um, gone. I wish we had some music to play. What when you say something like that? He's removed (laughs) all Tennessee stuff from social media. When he, uh, yeah, took all the Tennessee commit stuff. Um, his avatar on Twitter now is just a black picture with script in it that says sip made. That's what, that's what the prospects do. They go all in on like, is that the ominous black, Twitter profile yeah. picture, you know, going, or Instagram. going dark, going dark. Um, so yeah, Ole Miss has been, they, they've been trending even though he's been committed to Tennessee and, right. um, they really turned up the heat in February. It was right before he committed to Tennessee, which I think caught everybody off guard because the longest yeah, the time, time was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, it was a lot of, you know, I haven't heard much from the staff, um, you know, I haven't talked to them. And then Derek Nix, Kelvin Bolden, Alex Collins, Lane Kiffin, everybody turned up the heat. Um, you know, they probably preset, uh, you know, preheated the oven at like 550 in February. And uh, they've left it on ever since. So I think that Ole Miss is trending in the right direction there. I know you've been on that train for a couple weeks. And um, I jumped on board Sunday evening, entered a flip prediction there. And um, I feel pretty good about that one and Narelle White as well, who's, you know, been committed to Arkansas for a couple months, but he's been in consistent contact with the staff, with commits. He's been in town a couple times. Um, and we talked about it last week. I think they've got a legitimate shot at getting all three elite wide receivers in state and J.J. Harrell and Narelle White and Braylon Burnside. Uh, Burnside just wrapped up an official visit at Texas A&M over the weekend. I don't think they're a real player for him. Um, I honestly think despite all of the elite offers that he has, I think it's just going to be an egg bowl battle for Braylon Burnside. Is Zach Arnett going to be able to, you know, in this miserable cycle for Mississippi state fans of 
four-star guys at Starkville High School going to Ole Miss. I mean, it started with A.J. Brown, then it was Luke Altmyer. Now Braylon Burnside has a shot to to make it three for three for Ole Miss. Um, he's a uh, – his game is loud. I mean, I have seen him at the OT7, and he was just absolutely dominant. People could not cover him. Um, there's a lot to like with his game. Maybe it's the Starkville High School thing. I don't know. A lot of similarities to A.J. Brown. Incredibly physical, really good route runner, strong hands. Um, Ole Miss has made him a priority for the last two and a half years. Derek Nix has been putting in overtime on that one, um, and I think they have a really good shot. And Narelle White, same thing. They have made him feel like a priority. Um, the Arkansas thing, much like J.J. Harrell, kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really expected it. I mean, I had... <laughs> <laughs> national guys texting me were like, is this real? Like, is this a, is this an actual commitment? Cause they weren't expecting it either. So um, yeah, Ole Miss has some, some real juice there for those three guys. Introducing the new and improved BNA bank mobile app from setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card. You can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast, and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. Are you ready for the Grove? Because I know I am. So join Lane Kiffin and your Ole Miss football rebels at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process and to explore seating options. Visit OleMissTix.com, OleMissTix.com, or call the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation today, 662-915-7159. For Ole Miss football season tickets, it's time again to help lock the vault. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage, but intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed 
from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I feel the least confident about Braylon Burnside. I still have that belief that, I don't know, man, this is probably just my own having been born and raised in the state, man, and having been around the egg ball rivalry literally since I was born, state's not going to let Braylon Burnside get away. Um, so I have him third of those three as far as confidence ranking. Number one would be J.J. Harrell, and it's been like that for weeks now. Um, I think that's going to happen. I'm with you. I think that flip's going to happen pretty soon, to be honest with you. Narell White probably would have uh, tempted me to put him number one about a week ago, but um, I put him two right now because I feel like that's pretty safe. So either way, if they ended up with just two or th- two out of three, of those three, what a ridiculous class this is shaping up to be, especially if you like you close it out potentially with like a Cam, Cam Franklin, another um, elite defensive lineman Jamonte out of the state. Waller. Jamonte Waller, who's at Auburn over the weekend, um, mm-hmm. taking a picture with Austin Keys. You see what Austin Keys did? Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of earning man. the he's kind of earning the vitriol he's getting on Twitter. He, he's going for it, like he's uh, he's, he's going full he's going full heel. He's going full hill. You know, he's uh, leaning into it. I do appreciate the hashtag, though. I mean, if if you're an Auburn fan, di- uh, dip from the sip, that's that's hilarious. Uh, that is objectively hilarious and well uh, yeah. played. Having said maybe, that. Maybe Hugh Freeze had to just go out of the state to actually recruit Mississippi well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Could, well, here's my, only, here's my only thing about it, though. It's like Austin Keys was a really solid player at Ole Miss. And I don't remember there being any kind of, like, controversy with Austin Keys here. I don't. I don't remember yeah. there being any kind of like hate well, dude, going he, his way. Or, well, he got hurt. I yeah, mean, and and, and when he was healthy, he was the oh, highest good. defensive player for Ole Miss the year they had Sam Williams. So Austin Keys was a good player. Uh, it's just I wonder why he hates Ole Miss so much. That's <laughs> prob- probably somebody in his ear that yeah, is I would uh, love on staff I, there. Yeah, probably. I, I would. I mean, love you remember the Austin remember the Keys. clip Maybe that, for this podcast? Remember the clip that went viral of him in the Bama game? Just planting some pulling guard for Bama just made him look like a bug on a windshield. I mean, when he was, when he was a hundred percent, he was a legit sec linebacker and then he got a hundred percent, got the injury and then just nothing was the same. But yeah, I don't remember anyone. I don't think it's any ill will towards Ole Miss. I think he's just having fun on social media. I do too. I I just wanted to, uh, he's pushing all the right buttons. I want to take a, take a moment to appreciate dip from the sip. It is just a good troll job. It is. Yeah. It is a funny wordplay. It's great. They should put it on a shirt. I mean, because obviously Hugh Freeze only has like 
reach as far as the uh, Mississippi River or something. You know what I mean? Like this dude, he goes to get his coaches coaches from Mississippi. He goes and gets his recruits from Mississippi. Yeah, it's, come on, dude. Yeah, um, come on. I mean, he can't he can't recruit in the city of Memphis. I think that's off limits. I don't think he goes there very often. Yeah, yeah, people still try to bring up some Briarcrest yeah. stuff. Anyway. Yeah, so going back to the the notable official visits for Ole Miss targets, you mentioned Waller was at Auburn. Um, I don't think they're in the running for that one. They're certainly going to try. I think it's a three-team, four-team race. I think it's Ole Miss. Florida, Georgia, and then Penn State as well. I don't think he's going to go to Penn State. I think that's just the people that I've talked to in and around Picayune, they don't think he'll go that far. Now, the the sales pitch is is certainly is certainly top notch for James Franklin, where it's like, hey, Micah Parsons played here. You can come here and be the next Micah Parsons. Now, kids love that stuff. Um, Florida has made him a priority. I honestly think that kids will either admit it or they won't. I think success on the field is a much bigger, is a much bigger player in recruiting, even with NIL to us at a certain point, elite players want to go to a school that is competing for, for championships or just winning games. And I don't think Florida is going to be very good this year. Um, I would be even though Billy Napier at the SEC meetings in Destin uh, was kind of like talking about how Florida's being slept on a little bit, how oh, they're far, he, very far he, along. Oh, he talked about how everybody's bigger, faster, and stronger. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think Georgia is making a, a a push now. I don't think they're pushing very hard because it's Georgia and they can get whoever they want. Um, but again, you talk about putting it overtime. Pete Golding, as soon as he got the job at Ole Miss reached out to Jamonte Waller. Um, when I talked to Jamonte Waller in the spring, he told me that when Pete Golden got the job, he told him that he came to Ole Miss to get him. So I, I think that the combination of that and uh, Kelvin uh, Bolden and Lane Kiffin is personally recruiting him as well. I, I think in the end, that's going to be the difference. I, I think that the pull to stay in state is a big selling point for somebody like Jamonte Waller. And then add into it, they have his teammate, Chris Davis, already committed. They're close. Um, and then Ole Miss is recruiting. Uh, they haven't offered yet, but Jamari, uh, Jabari McWilliams, another defensive lineman from uh, Picayune Memorial High School, another close friend of his. Um, if they were to take him, I think it'd be a wrap. And I have that on pretty good authority from a strong source, but um, you had him, you had Waller at Auburn and then Camarion Franklin was back at Miami. Um, I think they're in it, but I think it's a Tennessee Ole Miss battle. Tennessee has got a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail, not just for Franklin, but just in general. Uh, Josh Heupel and that staff have done a fantastic job with NIL. They're uh, really clicking on all cylinders, but um I think it's for, uh, I think it's Tennessee and Ole Miss for Franklin right now. Um, I, I do think that Miami is going to make him think about it. He's taken a bunch of trips down there, and look, they what's not to like about you know South Beach and you know all that, but 
again, I think the homebody selling point is big because anytime that Chad Simmons or Sam Spiegelman, anybody from on three talks with Cam Franklin, he talks about Ole Miss and how it's right down the road. He loves that. His family could come to every game. It would be easy. And um, I, I just think that Ole Miss is, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not an accident. It's by design with how they're going about recruiting players inside the state of Mississippi. Big, big push. I mean, you got Cam Beavers already, and then they've got a couple other guys from in-state. I, I think that um, despite kind of the outside noise, I think Ole Miss is quietly confident for both Cam Franklin and Jamonte Waller. I do too. I don't know if I share that confidence, but with Cam Franklin, I think they're – I think they're ultimately going to get him. But the Tennessee stuff is real. It is. The Miami stuff feels kind of, uh, I don't know, it just kind of it seems fantastical for what we know of Cam Franklin and his recruitment and what he wants. And then with Jamonte Waller, everybody I trust tells me, hey, man, Ole Miss is in the, in the driver's seat for him. But just the public, the, the public stuff that he's kind of putting out there, I don't know, it, it gives me pause. Um, but I still think they're going to get Cam Franklin. And if they do, if they get one one of the two, then that is a success by itself. If they get yeah. both of them, and you and you pair that with what they already have, like Jeffrey Rush, four star edge in state, um, Cam Beavers, like you mentioned, I think six or maybe it's seven. Seven of their ten commitments are from the state of Mississippi, which under Kiffin for three years is unheard of. And not to say that they're suddenly like refocusing on Mississippi made. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, mm. This is just an historic 2024 in-state class, and uh, they're going to try to get as many of them as they can. Mm -hmm. And three of the top they, five commits right now are Mississippi kids. Yeah, and Cam Franklin would immediately jump to the top of that list. I mean, Cam Beavers when he committed, he was their highest-ranked commitment, and that even included Demon Williams, a four-star quarterback from Arizona. You, you compare to Kyler Murray, Bryce Young. Yeah. So lead eleven, there's, there's lead a, eleven finalist. He's he's yep. going to have a chance to be on the biggest stage. But there's a lot to like about Ole Miss's class, but there's still a lot of room to grow too. And unlike in previous classes, when it seemed like a little scatterbrained in a way, with what they were going after, what they landed, I don't know, man. This this class is they know exactly what they're going after. Pete Golding has added a lot of that uh adult in the room kind of <laughs> authoritative <laughs> figure, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it's more than that. I think it has to do with Lane being more settled in. Um, the brand is established now. Yeah, you wrote Everybody about that. Kind of, yeah, everybody's kind of pulling the same direction. Yeah, oh, the, at the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, and through the volunteer, there's a story about that. I just feel like the program is more settled today than it's ever been. And considering where it was in November and all the craziness of the Auburn stuff, that's uh, pretty surprising because I think a lot of Ole Miss fans turned on Lane with all that stuff. Uh, wasn't necessarily his fault, but there, there was a segment of the fan base that just certainly took issue with how all that Auburn stuff played out. And yet we've gotten to a point now with both recruiting, with the financial commitment, with his family situation, his uh, daughter who lives with him now is going to be a freshman at Ole Miss next year. Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin has never felt more settled. And I think that uh, you're seeing that play out everywhere, including the recruiting trail, because what they're doing is kind of what we thought they'd be doing the minute Lane got here, you know? And, um, with the portal and having to re-recruit these players, it's going to be, you know, can almost keep so-and-so next year, but it doesn't matter right now for today. Yeah, man, they're, they're, they're crushing it. And this weekend was huge because it showed the, the 
past, I mean, the present, the future, everything. I mean, Joseph Cryer commits, Zachary Franklin commits. You kill two birds in one weekend with getting a high school kid to add to, to a class that could be historic in 2024. And then the last big puzzle piece um, for your portal class. Just, it feels good, man. I mean, it feels different. It feels like Ole Miss is just in a good place and going into 2023, like I'm, I'm more encouraged about what they can be. And then for the future and the long-term outlook, yeah, it just feels its own stable footing. It's an exciting time, man. And I think more so now with wrapping up things with Zakari Franklin, now they can primarily focus on high school. And not only does that mean the staff allocating all their resources and energy towards high school, but NIL as well, where, um, you know, there's going to be some guys out there that NIL is going to play a role, but not every high school kid is looking for that. Um, now oh, they're he, all looking for it in some way, but they're not looking for it as far as the uh, high-end dollars that some are. Yeah, like a like a Cam Franklin and a John Wayne Oliver are looking for different things. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not that that it's no disrespect to any of the I mean, they just Cam Franklin's a a top 50, 40 prospect. You're gonna have to get into that space because others are going to do it to try to beat you. Um and, I, you know, there's guys like I think Anthony Robinson, another Louisiana prospect. Um, I think for him, the connection with Ole Miss is more so about relationship with Pete Golding, what they have planned for him in the defense. That plays a much bigger role than what kind of NIL deal you're giving me. Now, he's probably going to want something, but it's not in, it's not going to be in, you know, the upper echelon tier one NIL package like, a top 40, 30 guys going to want. Um, but yeah, I think it's huge that now they can just primarily focus on this 24 class and getting the, the Cam Franklin's, the Jamonte Wallers, the, the Braylon Burnsides, the Norrell Whites, the JJ Harrells. And then they've got some, um, a good run alignment coming in the next couple of weeks. They just had Shaq McRoy in town. Oregon's going to be tough to beat, but the staff feels confident about him. And then they got Joseph Cryer in the boat. They host John Wayne Oliver this weekend for an official visit. He just put out a top three. That's a TCU Ole Miss battle right now. Um, and then uh, on Monday, they bring in Khalil House and Jude Foster, two more offensive linemen. John Garrison's been busy. And then uh, you wrap up the run of, of official visits on uh, June 16th. Maurice Davis, the edge prospect out of Georgia. Randall Joyner loves that kid. Um, kind of a jumbo athlete that's got a lot of upside. They really like his game. And then uh, Cameron Clark, a kid out of Tennessee, um, he hasn't set an official visit yet, but Ole Miss is is battling with Notre Dame for that one. So um, I think you're going to start to see more commitments, more of a uh, concerted effort on getting these dudes to campus for camp. Um, and then they end the summer – uh, at the end of July with Juice Fest 23, which I will be in town for that. It'll be a it'll be a big to do, and they'll have a lot of guys in town for that. I'm excited for Juice Fest because this weekend was really productive for Ole Miss as far as recruits. They brought in the town. They brought in a five star wide receiver that could potentially, or at least he said he could potentially commit. Um, but Juice Fest, that's going to be the one that everybody wants to be at as far as recruits. They want to all be there and be a part of that viral kind of very mm -hmm. online camp that it'll be. And um, I, I expect a huge visit list. So that's, that's what we're looking forward to specifically in July. 
And what it's really shaping up to, like recruiting was, we were worried about things to be talking about, be covering, be writing about, be talking about this summer. And this camp schedule has the potential to be really fruitful for Ole Miss. So if you're uh, wondering what's going on, stay plugged into the Ole Miss Spirit, Ole Miss Spirit.com and Philip on three, because Zach and I are going to cover it every day. We're going to go to all the camps. We're going to be there because, mm-hmm. man, the the next one, who knows what it could be. Um, we, we knew that Zachary Franklin was going to happen eventually. Uh, we felt that Joseph Cryer was going to happen eventually. Uh, who do you think's next? I don't know, really. Yeah, I don't have a great I, candidate right now. J.J. Harrell. Yeah, him. Um, I was great, great podcast continuity there. Good segue. I was about to go into that because we really buried the lead. Uh, next commit, I would probably probably guess either J.J. Harrell or Dylan Hip, who was in town, the tight end from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, yeah, the three star. They want him. Yeah, big. and I think I think he got close to committing this weekend. Yeah, I I think he's probably going to return home. Talk with the talk with the folks. And um, I, I think he either pulls the trigger or uh, he might finish out his official visit schedule and then pull the trigger. But Ole Miss is in a really good spot there. They love him, 6'6", 230. Um, big physical guy that can you know kind of do it all. He can contribute in the run game. I mentioned the size. He can block. But then also you can split him out wide. He can run routes. And, um, yeah, TCU and Baylor want him bad. I don't think he'll stay home at Arizona State. I think he's going to go out of state, but Ole Miss is in a really good spot there. Um, he's pushing all the right buttons on social media with uh, if you're looking for any hints on where he's leaning um, in terms of Ole Miss. But, yeah, next commit, I would say probably Dylan Hip or a flip of some sort. Um, so, again, it, it's it's hot and heavy right now. Things are really starting to crank up. We talk about it on every show, Ben. These kids are more and more wanting to get this done and out of the way so they can focus on just being a high school kid for their senior season. So, um, And look, I, I, another thing that kind of popped over the weekend that we had to clarify and uh, make sure to get it confirmed, but, um, you know, talking about focusing on the 24 class, you know, 25 quarterback target, um, Quentin Robinson wanted to commit over the weekend and Ole Miss said they weren't going to take a commitment right now. Um, I, I didn't get any more detail on that, but I, I think it was more so of a, Hey, we're, we're, this is a little early, you know, we, you know, maybe they want to do a little senior eval or excuse me, a junior eval to see, um, you know, how his season My guy fell in love on his visit and, uh, almost like, okay, <laughs> slow, slow it down. Let's yeah. take baby steps here. It's still 2025. Cause, Cause I, and again, I didn't ask this question. I didn't talk. I, I did speak with a staffer, but I didn't ask the question of, you know, is this kid legit or do you actually not want him? I don't think that's the case. I think this is a situation where they're just like, hey, just pump the brakes for just a minute. You know, we 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 like you. I mean, they he has an offer. Let's go on another date or two. Uh, yeah, I just think it's just a you know, hey, let's just let's take it take it easy. So, um, some clarification on that on uh on Saturday. So, um. But yeah, high profile kid. The offer sheet is is pretty loud. Um, he's got some some power five offers. Alabama um, has offered him. So um, I think you're going to start to see a, a a real push for 24 with with Ole Miss right now. I think that that's can we the... can we just take a moment though before we get out of here to appreciate how shitty it is that Ole Miss baseball isn't in the postseason. <laughs> I can't even watch any of these games, man. It's terrible. I, you know what? I, I was telling people, and 
if you know me, you know that this is out of character, but I have to give a shout out to ESPN over the weekend. Squeeze play is elite. I love it. If you're not familiar, it's just basically red zone for college baseball. And Every single sport needs a red zone like channel. Um, yeah. Major League Baseball on Apple TV. I don't know when it comes on, but when it comes on, it's awesome. They have MLB like daily or something like that. And you click on it, dude, and you're watching it, and it just bounces in and out of every game that's being played at that time. Every single sport should have this. Everyone, mm -hmm. it's where it's going. I mean, when we're 45, that's what every single, that's how we're all going to watch sports. So what, what yeah. are we even doing here? Like YouTube TV paying all that money for direct TV's uh, Sunday ticket stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a waste of money. Just buy the red zone. Red zone's right, the only yeah, way yeah. to go. So I, mean, I, I don't I, watch, I try to do that too. It's the I don't only way watch, to watch NFL games. Yeah. I watch red zone. Uh, same thing with like college baseball. I don't want to watch every single college, every pitch of every college baseball game. Um, unless Ole Miss is in it and Ole Miss isn't in it because they were six and 24 in the SEC and they've already lost one of their key transfer targets. So let's hope they can get it done. What did you think of TJ McCants opting not to, uh, not to return? He's entering the portal. See, I'd heard going into the offseason that TJ, if he got selected in the draft, which he's probably going to get selected in the draft, uh, he's not going to be an early round pick, but certainly in the 11 to 20 range, he'll get picked probably just on the upside alone, even though he never really lived up to that. Highly ranked kid mm -hmm. coming out of high school. Um, so wherever he gets drafted, I expect him to sign and then leave. All right. But the fact that he entered the portal, even though we accept that he's probably going to go pro, that he got into the portal, say he's not coming back to Ole Miss, I think was pretty telling for Ole Miss. It's going to be complete and utter like roster upheaval. Totally different team next year. Yeah. Almost every starting position. Except for I think third base, Ethan Leggett will be back. But Center other field. than that, because well, Groff Groff's is back, gone, right? Groff's is he gone? gone? Yeah. So you, what do you have shows back? You how much I watch. Uh, what What um, do you have back? You know, and that's what's going to be fascinating to watch because they need not just a starting shortstop to step in for Jacob Gonzalez. They need a first baseman, Cooper Pratt, second baseman. Yeah, well, you hope so. You got to get Smith Cooper Pratt to campus. God, it's going to be so hard. His number yeah. is really high, but Roman Anthony's number is really high, and he moved into campus, and, of course, the damn Red Sox, who did it to swing quest too, gave him his number. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it, though, because I was having to tell people to, you know, hold on, because everybody's like, look, he's on campus, like he's here. And, I mean, Roman texted me, like sent me a picture of him and – um. Oh, who was the <laughs> who was the pitcher that also got drafted? Um, yeah, he like sent a picture of them in the Grove, and he was like, "Hey, we're we're on campus. Want to let you know." And I was like, "All right, cool, thanks, man. Like, I know you're still gonna go like to the draft." I mean, it's well, like the thing is, I think it's like the portal. It's like the portal when people are like, "Oh, oh, they they got admitted to school. That's where they're going." Like, no, like they do that for every school they're looking at because you got to make sure yeah. you actually get into school first. But um, well, Mike Clement, old Mrs. Hitting coach, told me straight up that it broke their hearts when Roman Anthony uh, ended up signing with the Red Sox because they thought his number was so high. He was moved in. He wanted to be here. He was excited. He was going to be the starting center fielder. And Ethan Groff was going to be in left or right. It was, gonna, it was just perfect. It was perfect. And, of course, the Red Sox gave was, him that um, number. Yeah, he wasn't getting feedback that a lot of teams were going to give him that number. But the Red Sox is one of the or one of those teams that I mean, if they, they decide they like you, they'll pay you whatever. Yeah, they don't care. It happens. You know, you get somebody that goes over slot, and you can't yep. do anything about that. But Nope. I mean, you've talked with Cooper several times. He's saying all the right things. 
I know his parents would prefer him go to go to school for a year or two and um well I guess you have to go for two years but I mean you look at some of these guys I mean look at Gray Kessinger it took him this got long called get, up my guy got called up to the Astros took him this long and I mean he was if not the best one of the best shortstops in the country when he was at Ole Miss and I mean he did it all had the hit tool could play everywhere in the infield I mean he's done that in the minor leagues he's playing first base the other night um but I mean, it's just hard, man. Baseball is – I still contend that's the hardest sport to make it to the pros because it, it's not just about how good you are. It, it's so much luck and so many things have to fall your way to make it. Because, I mean, there are dudes that – there are dudes that are dudes that were really good in college and could, just could not make it. They could not break through because somebody at – X organization was a hall of famer and was still playing. And, you know, somebody was, you know, well, I know this guy's about to retire, but then the dude they drafted two years ago is better than me. So, I mean, it's just so many things have to fall your way to, to make it. But, you know, somebody like Roman Anthony is a great example. I wanted to go to Ole Miss. He committed early, stayed firm with him the entire time. And then the Red Sox just, went over slot. You, you can't, can't do anything about it, but I know Cooper Pratt has, has made a point several times to say that he wants to play at Ole Miss and um, you can read about him and several of the other high profile guys um, that have signed with Ole Miss. I, I had a, a nice sit down conversation with um, my boy, Troy uh, Sutherland from perfect game gave some, uh, some really good stuff. I mean, stuff that, that that I can't give you in terms of scouting reports and what he thinks of certain signees as prospects. A lot of good stuff there from him on um, you know, what he thinks about each each prospect. I mean, Campbell Smithwick, he said he was one of the best defensive catchers he's ever seen. Um they've got some they interesting... need at least one of them to get on campus. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how I realistic mean... that is, but they really need at least one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I think there's a good shot at Smithwick. Um, I do too. The hit tool is is really really loud. It's really good, but the size could limit him there. He, he's a little bit on the smaller side for a catcher. Um, and then Trenton Lyons, the uh, catcher from from Christian Brothers, who I think is probably going to end up being a first baseman or a DH because he can really swing it. Um, the ones that you're going to have to pay attention to when draft comes around Xander Muth, Josh Knott, and of course, Cooper Pratt. Those are the three that I think are the, uh, have the biggest risk of not making it. Josh Knott, a right-handed pitcher out of New York. Uh, I mean, he's getting up to 98 in his games this spring. Um, that's, that's usually typically a sign that you're probably not going to make it to Oxford, Mississippi. Um, I mean, he's getting over 3000 RPMs, um on his breaking balls which is just unheard of that's that's elite elite stuff um that's the kind of stuff that pitching ninja is going to be doing a lot of videos about you on twitter um and then xander muth has really blown up he's getting up into 96 97 territory he's 65 190 the the frame is is something that that scouts ooze over but yeah pratt i think is he's someone that can come in and compete right away to be the starting shortstop. 
and he, yeah, you, you talk about a guy that that's that's probably going to be in the uh, in the neighborhood of dyeing his hair blonde this time next year. Um, it, it is something to uh, to keep an eye on. And then you know he he lives in Oxford, which is which is big too. He goes to Magnolia Heights, which is in Senatobia, um, but uh, he lives in Oxford, so he's been around the program plenty. You know he hangs out with Smithwick, who played at Oxford High. Um, so I think that um, they have a they have a legit shot to only lose two to the draft. Right now, I think both pitchers, Muth and uh, and Not, are going to probably go to the draft. And then uh, there's some there's some pieces to this uh, this fifth ranked recruiting class that that are you know some intrigue. I mentioned Trenton Lyons. I think Wesley Mendez. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect, left-handed pitcher. Uh, there's a lot to like there. And then um, Caden Irving, the uh, infielder from Gaucher, um, big big pop. Uh, I think he's going to need probably a year or two to get acclimated just to the pitching in the sec, but, um, big physical guy, good athlete plays quarterback or, or excuse me, played quarterback Gaucher. Um, it was, a, it was a good quarterback. And then, um, but yeah, you can read, uh, all of those scouting reports at omspirit.com. Um, again, I, Troy Sutherland was, was really gracious with this time and, and dove in deep to some of those 23 signees. So check that out. Wednesday is a high school day camp Friday, it's Friday Night Lights number two. I was looking at this uh, graphic incorrectly. Uh, so they will have another camp. So there will be tons of unofficial visitors as well uh, this Friday. And then the middle school camp will follow uh, next week. And then the third Friday Night Lights camp will be on the 16th and then Juice Fest at the end of July. So busy June. And then I imagine July will be used to focus on recruiting and getting guys to come to campus that last weekend in July for juice fest. So we will have everything wall to wall coverage, recruiting. It never stops. We will have it for you. Ben, if you don't have anything else, we can get out of here. I appreciate the time and um, we'll do it again later this week. Hey, Ole Miss baseball. Don't do this again. <laughs> this is not fun. This is not the way it's supposed to be. It's like that, uh, Thanos meme, you know? What did it cost? Old Mrs. National Championship, everything. <laughs> Come on. What do yeah. we do it? Thanks to the sponsors for making the show possible. Thanks to Ben for his time. We will be back later this week, most likely previewing the official visitors that will be in town. There could be a commitment to recap. If that happens, we will talk to you next time. Until then, we out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc